hello and happy Monday, KTOE listeners. Back in the studio, Lisa Kay, hanging out today, talk of the town. Uh, We're going to be talking all sorts of things today um, in the 11 o'clock hour. Dr. B joining me. We're going to talk about disc styles of behavior. What is that? Stick around. We'll talk about that in about an hour. What are you, huh? <laughs> We've got guests in the studio at the 10 o'clock hour. We welcome Kristen Walters back with Kata. And uh, Laura Schultz is a licensed therapist. She's joining us as well. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for yeah. having us. It's so good to see you. When was the last time I saw you, Kristen? It was like, like a year ago. Was it like Galentine's? No. Yeah. No. Yep. Really? Sure was. That was a long time ago. That's crazy. <laughs> My gosh. All right. So, well, we're here talking about um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month because you're with Kata. And if anybody listening is not aware of what Kata does, do you want to give us a, yeah. a little synopsis of, yeah. of your job? And So Kata, um, or Committee Against Domestic Abuse, um, is a nonprofit in our community serving victims and survivors of domestic violence and sexual violence. Um, we've been around for ugh, over 40 years, and Kata has a shelter here in Mankato for women and kiddos. And we have advocacy offices throughout the nine-county region. And we have a supervised parenting time center where um, children can visit with their non-custodial parent um, in a safe, conflict-free setting. And, yeah, it's, it's a good place for anyone who needs help. Right. Do you serve people from out of the area? Do they come here I'm just wondering mm-hmm. for safety issues sometimes yeah. you might need to leave where you are and come somewhere else we do um Kata, our both our shelter and advocacy services is for anyone we do have folks who relocate to the Mankato area or this region for safety reasons and Kata is also connected to a statewide network of other shelter providers mm. so if there is someone in Bemidji, and there is no shelter available near them, they can get connected to other shelters in the state that do have space. Um, so that is incredibly helpful that we have a, a whole network. Or if someone in Mankato needs a shelter and we can't provide it, our shelter is full, or it's not safe for them to be here, mm-hmm. we can easily tap into this network, see what other shelters might have space available, and directly connect this person with um, whatever help they need. That's great. I didn't realize that there was a network like that, but it yeah. just makes sense, I guess. Yes. Right? It's the day one network and they have a 24 hour helpline. So anyone across the state can call that and be connected to a resource closest to where they live. So I know when we um, were talking a couple of years ago and we were right through the pandemic and everything, I know she rolled her eyes. We don't have TV in here, but you (laughs) rolled your eyes, which that was tough for everybody, um, especially those people that might be needing assistance uh, with domestic issues Mm -hmm. in their home. Um, And you created at that point in time, one of your pivots was to create the the, uh, phone number, the text line. You still have that? Is it still? We do. We still have our text line. We've got a web chat. Um, the pandemic, as as terrible as it was and, and still is at times, mm-hmm. um, really helped us become more accessible um, for people who can't just call our right. crisis line um, because it is challenging to pick up the phone and call, uh, whether it's for privacy reasons or it's just scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a text line. 
my phone is not loading, so I cannot. <laughs> oh, I we'll, do have it. Yeah, we can give, we'll make sure that that's listed on the, on the yeah. show notes. So a text line, email, chat with an advocate on our website. Um, our helpline is available 24-7. And we try to call it a helpline because it is not just crisis. Right. If you just need to talk, if you're just having a tough night and it would be helpful to talk with an advocate, we're there. And the advocates that they speak with, and um, what are they trained to do or yeah. listen for? Yeah, so our advocates are trained in, they go through extensive training to become an advocate, um, but they're trained to provide emotional support. They're trained to provide safety planning that works with each individual's unique circumstances. Um, so they're listening as someone is talking to them for risk factors for patterns that this this caller might be telling them about. Um, some of our advocates are trained in the legal side of things, so mm. protective orders or court um, processes. And our advocates are also very familiar with all community resources. Oh, it sounds like you might be able to benefit from Echo Food Shelf right. or The Reach. Um, and thankfully, we've got a freaking amazing nonprofit community we do, um, right. in this whole region. And so our advocates are often working with other nonprofits to get folks the help they need. Right. So when we come to Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, we usually talk about statistics that are not real easy to hear yeah. sometimes. So uh, we'll just say that to the listeners. We're going to give out some uh, statistics mm-hmm. from something called the Homicide Report. Yes. Uh, Violence-Free Minnesota is the statewide coalition to end relationship abuse. So organizations like CADA across the state are members of Violence-Free Minnesota. And one of the very important things that this coalition does is put together a homicide report every year that um, looks at how many people were killed because of intimate partner violence and the risk factors that um, showed up. And it examines the systemic failures that led to these these murders. Um, so in 2022, at least, and I say at least because we, we don't know, not mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. uh, cases go through reporting, um, but at least 24 people were killed because of intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 of those victims were were murdered by a current or former partner, and three were bystanders or people helping to intervene or family members who were present in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's the numbers don't change really i mean they do change but there's no trend you can't see the numbers drastically going up or down okay. from year to year um, did you notice with covid did that did that was the reporting of it maybe was the different? reporting got a little tricky yeah. during covid because it looked so different than years past but no there were no okay. discernible trends in the homicides it unfortunately hasn't drastically decreased Ugh. at all and so we bring awareness to it this month. Is there anything specific that CADA does? Um, I mean, coming here on the radio and letting us yeah. know about it, but other things that you might do? Yeah. So we um, had a Domestic Violence Awareness Month event in St. Peter two weeks ago, last week, two weeks ago, um, that just brings people together to mm-hmm. talk about how anyone can help, um, how people can help a friend, how you can help 
talk to children in your life about healthy relationships. Um, so we do a lot of awareness raising during this time. We have displays at uh, local libraries throughout our, our region to just kind of help people recognize red flags of abusive relationships. Um, and it's just a good time to remind people that um, they have some power here. They can call their legislators to ask for better laws or funding for programs like CADA. Um, they can ask their workplace about right, right. Um, paid time off for people experiencing abuse or things like that. So just reminders that everyone does have a part to play. And you're out there doing the work. Kata is in studio with me today. Uh, Laura Schultz is in, in chair number one. She's been quiet, but we're going to talk to her because she's a licensed therapist. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about support groups and what those look like with Kata and some of the things that she encounters and her water. And now, more Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Lisa Kay, on your midday, back in studio, Kata is with us this morning. Kristen Walters, the Development and Communications Director. Laura Schultz is also with us here. Laura is a licensed therapist that works with Kata and most specifically with some of the support groups. And uh, Laura, it's good to have you in studio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk a little bit about you. I always want to find out people's why, especially in something like therapy where you have to go in specifically. I was was wondering, I think to myself, it must be so interesting to be a therapist because in the training to become a therapist, you learn a lot about yourself. Definitely. So why did you go into therapy? Yeah, so um, interestingly, my sister is also a therapist. Uh-huh. So whole family of them. Yeah, we can't stop. <laughs> I went to grad school for gender and women's studies. That's actually how I met Kristen. Okay. And after that, I worked at the university as the director of the Violence Awareness and Response Program. And in that role, I was working one-on-one with students who had experienced different forms of violence and abuse. Mm-hmm. And also providing education and programming. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take a sabbatical from that work because of university jobs. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) during that time, I went back to school for social work because I was finding what I loved the very most and what I felt the most um, certain about my passion for was that one-on-one work with individuals. And especially because in advocacy work, Sometimes, and in my role, it was this way. It was primarily crisis based. Mm-hmm. So it was primarily when someone's really going through something particularly difficult. And you don't necessarily get to move along that healing path mm. with someone. You see them at the beginning. And then I would try to reach out around like midterm and finals to people because there's just so much more going on. You're so much more overwhelmed. So some of the, um, symptoms or reactions that we have to trauma come up more when we're feeling more stressed out, more overwhelmed. Um, But, you know, it just wasn't as frequently as I felt like I wanted to be involved in that healing journey. So went back for social work and then um, started working at Counseling Services of Southern Minnesota and um, co-leading a group a DBT group, which is fascinating. DBT is dialectical behavior therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the mindfulness piece of it because I love mindfulness so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love mindfulness so much. I'm still a student of it by mm-hmm. all sure. means. I think when you, are, <laughs> yeah. you, you never stop learning. Yes, okay. exactly. Not uh, uh, perfected it. But um, yeah, so then 
that role really felt good. And um, now I'm I'm working, yes, absolutely, with CADA, um, leading support group. And then also I have um, a bunch of individual clients myself as well. Right. How do you, as a therapist, detox after the, the yeah. day? Is that the right word? Yeah. I mean, what am I looking for? You know, that whole, yeah. you've heard problems, you've heard issues, mm-hmm. things that are tr- very troubling. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Right. Well, I sincerely believe that um, therapy can benefit many, if not most of us. Mm-hmm. And so I am a huge advocate for therapists getting their own therapy. And okay. I, I I've heard should. that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think there's any shame in that. Yeah. Right. Um, if we're telling other people there's no shame in getting therapy, we better, we better believe right. it right. <laughs> for ourselves too. Um, but then also for me, I'm really interested in the creative arts. And so without. Because you're a musician too, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Without music. I tried when I was in grad school to not play music. I was like, oh, it's such a busy time. It's so overwhelming. And it was so much worse when yeah, I wasn't playing music. Yeah, if that's your outlet. If exactly. That's, right? Yeah. It's such a perfect, for me anyway, like stress cycle of you're nervous before the show and then you perform and you get to release and you get to connect with people and then you feel great at the end of it. Um, so music is huge for me, writing songs and also performing them is a big part of, I think, how I process right. the world around right. me. And so you are instrumental in the support groups that Kata is, is uh, are they hosting? Did, is... Yeah, so we have an online domestic violence support group, mm-hmm. and then Laura facilitates our in-person sexual harm support group. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that after the break, if you'll stick around with me, and we'll learn a little bit more about what it is that is happening. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we've got Kristen Walters, the Development and Communications Director for CADA in, also licensed therapist Laura Schultz with us to share a little bit about what they do coming up after the break. And now, more Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Back on KTOE, Middays with Lisa Kay, in studio with my friends from CADA, Kristen Walters, the Development and Communications Director, and Laura Schultz, Licensed Therapist with CADA. We're talking a little bit about uh, support groups. And Laura, when did you start leading support groups and, and yeah. thinking about, like, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to help people? Yeah. So I started at the university. I worked with um, a colleague and friend of mine, Dr. Lindsay Mern, and we worked, um, she worked at the Counseling Center at that time, and I worked at the Violence Awareness and response program and we co-led a support group for students on campus it was an eight week pretty structured support group Mm. that um, began and ended every session began and ended with mindfulness because you're coming from somewhere and you're going somewhere and in between you're talking about some pretty intense or heavy or difficult things that maybe you've never talked about before Mm -hmm. so we wanted to be able to provide that kind of um, elbow you know that transition um, into the rest of the of the school day for many of them. Um, so that was prior to the pandemic. I think that's how we're going to measure time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic. And so you bring um, you bring your expertise to CADA mm-hmm. and help with uh, victims of sexual violence yes. and all sorts of domestic violence, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you find is the biggest barrier for people deciding that I need a support group yeah. or I want to come to a support right. group or am I being voluntold to get to the support group? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, definitely 
that last uh, sentence that you said made me think about how important empowerment is in the whole process. So knowing what you're getting into for some people Mm -hmm. is a huge barrier. Like, what's it going to be like? Am I going to have to talk? Am I going to be asked questions I don't know the answers right. to? Do I have to answer these questions yeah. in front of 47 people? Yeah, Who exactly. else is in the room? Yeah, who else is in the room? Absolutely. So these um, kind of worries or anxieties about what is it going to be like is definitely a barrier. And for therapy, too. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime somebody comes in, I'm like, thank you for being here. Right. I know what it's like. You have so many things that you could be doing and so many reasons that you could have been like, oh, my car is low on gas. I, maybe I just won't go. You right. know, Richard, like, I how get is it. the harvest we, going in? We're in- uncomfortable um, with new things and, and with change. And uh, so I want to be able to provide as much information about what it is. And it's really meant to be... Um, quite informal. Um, people can share as much or as little as they want to about their experience. Do you feel like the more people share, the more they get out of it? Or is that not the same for everyone? I think it's not the same for everyone. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I think frequently, because um, Dr. Mern and I co-wrote an article about the support group. And one thing that we found from participants was that the primary takeaway was other people feel the same ways or similar to what I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm not bad. Um, And shame is very central to the experience for so many people. And connection really erodes that shame. You know, the awareness of you and I both had this experience and we both responded in this way. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we're okay. And also, there's got to be a little bit of, uh, just like the support group title would lead to believe, mm-hmm. the support within that yeah. that recognition of, yeah, we both gone through something pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And we had similar responses or reactions. Right. How big do the groups get? Or are there multiple groups? Yeah. So I lead a support group on Tuesday nights. Um Next Tuesday is Halloween, so we might do it on Monday instead. I promise I'll keep people posted. <laughs> Will there be chocolate? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why not? Definitely. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, so I lead the support group on Tuesdays, and I would say the groups have been relatively small, um, usually under five. Okay. Um, but definitely when there are a few people, there are so many things that um, resonate with each other and that yeah just provide that like absolute awareness that we are not alone in in our responses to this I don't even really like to say symptoms because it's a it's a response Mm -hmm. to something that was terrible crisis yes yeah so of course you're gonna have a reaction to it you're a human animal like you have to so I think just um really normalizing uh and validating is a big part of what support group does. And I feel like even even if you're dealing with something like grief, mm-hmm. as maybe something completely separate, but mm-hmm. the more you talk about it, mm-hmm. it seems like the more you can get a grasp on it. I don't right. know if it's the same way with domestic or sexual violence. I'm not the yeah. victim uh, of that. But other things in my yeah. life that are difficult, the Absolutely. more you can put it out there, mm-hmm. it feels better. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. And 
sometimes we talk about the concept of a container. So maybe even if talking about it doesn't feel like it's as helpful, maybe writing about it or um, writing a song about it or writing a poem about it or painting about it Mm -hmm. or dancing about it um, might be a way to access some of what feels wordless for some people. Mm -hmm. Trauma can be challenging in that way because um, we store it differently in our brains and it's not connected to language a lot of the time. Right. So then you think about like how do I describe a traumatic event? I can't necessarily do it in a timeline right. like I could with... It's a feeling, yep. right? Yeah, There's a whole feeling exactly. that goes along with it. Exactly. I was just talking to a client yesterday about like... Talking about feelings is very hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard because mm-hmm. you're translating an internal experience into language. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite right. Yeah, there's no words. Sometimes there's no words for yeah. this. There's mm-hmm. no words. Right, right. It's imprecise. Hmm. So sometimes the creative arts can provide a container. And so oftentimes with support group, we will eventually, not right away, by any means, <laughs> um, we will eventually do some kind of a trauma narrative. So tell me a little bit about the event and tell me about life before the event and tell me about life after the event. Because okay. um, again, language that people often use is like the incident or the event. They won't specifically say mm-hmm. sexual violence or rape or sexual assault. Right. Some people do, but again, it's yours. It is yours to define. It is your language. It is absolutely um, something that you get to name. And I think there's a lot of power in that naming. But have, have you been in the industry long enough to see the shift in what we normally used to not talk about, mm. the shame, Right. Uh, just be quiet about it, yeah. or who are you to need therapy? You yeah. need therapy. Have you been around yeah. to see that shift? Are you still experiencing yeah. that? I mean, I feel like I experienced it in my own life, you know, as a kid, being an anxious kid. I did not really think of therapy as, I didn't think it was bad enough, Mm -hmm. you know? I didn't think, I think that's what many of us think, is like, whatever it is that I'm going through, it's it's not as bad as what other people go through. So I don't deserve it, or I don't need it as much as somebody else. I should let them have it first. I don't know. I'm not strong for not being able to handle this, all that, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so good that there is is kind of a cultural shift that's been happening in the the last decade or so. yeah. Well, and social media for all its sometimes negatives, I think there can be like a a comfort in like seeing other people Mm -hmm. reaching out for help or, you know, talking about the positive experiences they had when they did get help. Mm -hmm. Right. It was great. Visiting with my friends from CADA, by the way, uh, Kristen and Laura, actually not with CADA, but kind of an independent, would you call yourself kind of an independent contractor? You host the... Right. Yeah. So I work um, with... Counseling Services of Southern Minnesota on a contract with CADA. Okay. Yeah. So if, so what we're saying then is you can get to Laura by either yeah. the support groups at CADA, mm-hmm. or how do we reach you if we're interested in counseling or yeah, therapy of definitely. any other kind? So I work as a therapist at um, Mankato Mental Health Associates, which is in the Union Square building okay. on the third floor. And my you could reach me um, by calling. The front desk there, and I don't have that number okay. memorized. We'll put it down on the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that would probably be the best way to okay. get in touch. And then you're the Tuesday night yep. uh, support group. That's right. Yep. Leader from six to about seven fifteen. 
All right. Mm -hmm. Kristen, if people need to get in touch with you for that or have any uh, questions on it, what do they need to do and what do we need to know? So the best way to get in touch about our support groups is on CADA's website, www.cadamnlikeminnesota.org. And there's a whole page for support groups that'll tell you the details of each group. And there's a little form to fill out uh, to express your interest or, or ask any questions. All right. Uh, We've got about one minute left here. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about what people need to know Domestic Violence Awareness Month in Mm -hmm. a nutshell, one minute? Yep. Uh, CADA is here for you. Uh, If you need services, uh, help is out there, whether you've experienced relationship abuse, sexual harm. um, CADA's here. And people can find us um, online at our website that I just mentioned, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, an advocate's available 24 hours a day, and people can contact that person at 1-800-477-0466. And you don't need to be experiencing something yourself in order to reach out if you see Correct. something in a friend or a family member or loved one. Correct. Yes. One of the best things you can do to support survivors is to be a good friend. And we don't know how to respond when someone we love is being harmed. Um, Kate is here to talk to friends, family members, loved ones of someone who's going through something. Thank you for all that you do. It's good to see you again, Kristen. Laura, thank you for coming in. We'll have you back again soon. Love to.